From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. One of the most common medical problems in the United States is back pain. It may come on suddenly and be severe, or it may be something that flares up from time to time. Here to talk about what to do about back pain is orthopedic surgeon Dr. Daryl Dykes. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So you're a surgeon, um, but you readily say the majority of people with back pain do not need surgery, right? Absolutely true. Well, let's talk about how one goes about determining you know, what's wrong with their back if they've got pain. Sure. Well, just as you mentioned, back pain is very, very common in, in human societies. Uh, as a matter of fact, it probably is one of the most common reasons of all reasons that it, someone will go see a doctor. Hmm. And it might be secondary to the common cold or something like that. But the good news is that the vast majority of people with back pain can be treated with very, very simple uh, measures, uh, usually rest, anti-inflammatories, and only a small percentage of people will ever actually require, uh, you know, advanced treatments like injections or surgery. Okay. Um, is there ever a time when back pain's an emergency? Absolutely. So when would that what are some of the symptoms of? Sure. So there are uh, conditions that we call red flags, for instance. So patients who have uh, very severe back pain that is out of proportion to what you might you know, expect from a, a simple lifting or a bending uh, issue. Uh, if you've got a fever, if the uh, back pain is associated with any weakness in the arms or the legs, uh, numbness or tingling. Uh, in the extremities around, uh, you know, the, the perianal region, so bowel and bladder issues. All of those things could signify a much more serious condition uh, that does require, you know, immediate and professional evaluation. Okay. Well, how do you do that evaluation? When someone comes to you with pain, um, back pain, saying it's severe, how do, you, how do you go about figuring that out? Sure. Well, one of the things that is um, very difficult to manage sometimes, and, and even doctors have trouble dealing with this sometimes, is when is the right time to get uh, imaging, like x-rays or MRI scans. Mm -hmm. And what we know is, for the most part, if uh, patients have back pain that comes on uh, for non-traumatic issues, so, so not after a big injury or something like that. If the back pain is mild to moderate and doesn't last uh, for very long, there's typically no advantage to getting x-rays or MRI scans. We typically save those things for uh, pain that lasts for four to six weeks or more. Uh, other than that, what doctors will do is do a complete physical examination, make sure that there aren't any problems with the nerves, um, and from that point, uh, the patient's history and physical examination will usually dictate, as I mentioned, these simple non-operative measures. Most patients are going to go to their primary care provider with the back pain complaint first, right? Sure, and that's, that's appropriate. And then how do, how do they decide whether to send that person to see someone like yourself? Well, certainly the primary care doctor will and, and should rule out those dangerous conditions that I talked about. Uh, but when those dangerous conditions are off the table or not part of the consideration, if a patient has persistent pain that lasts for four to six weeks or more, or things that are not responding to the treatments that the primary care physician offers, that's the time to call the spine doctor. So do you look at things differently depending on where along the spine the pain is? Because the spine's divided into... 
three regions? Sure, yeah. So typically we think of the spine in three or some say four regions, and that's the cervical, thoracic, lumbar, and sacral regions. Um, the cervical is the neck, thoracic is the mid-back, lumbar is your low back, and sacrum is the tailbone. Okay. Most of the time uh, when patients come in to, with, with back pain issues, they're in the low back or in the neck. Uh, it's much less common to have uh, back pain issues in the thoracic region. Well, why is that? Well, that's a great question. Part of it is due to just the way we're designed. So as you know, the uh, bones in your spine and the mid-back are all connected to your rib cage. Okay. And Does that give more support? It's much more stable and much less flexible part of your spine. So in the neck and the low back, obviously those are the parts of the spine that move a lot more and they're subject to more mechanical stresses over life and they tend to have the most problems. Okay. Well, I'd like to ask about some of the myths and misconceptions about back pain. I've got a lot of questions for you on that. Um, starting off with, will the imaging scans tell you as the surgeon or doctor what the problem is? Well, we've gotten very, very good with imaging these days. Uh, plain x-rays are usually the, the place uh, that a doctor will start, and you can see on plain x-rays whether there are fractures or deformities or other major issues, but it's typically the MRI scan that gives us the most information. On the MRI, we can see and rule out a lot of those dangerous things that I talked about. So the MRI will tell us uh, that there's no infection or there's no tumor or there's no uh, other dangerous condition uh, that might be affecting the spine. And it can usually help us pinpoint where a patient's pain is originating and then also give us very, very good ideas about the options for treating it. So you may need both x-rays and MRIs. Typically we do both, okay. yes. Um, if a patient has pain, does that mean that they have damage or that there's been an injury? No, not necessarily. And as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, almost every adult will have at least one episode of back pain in their lives. And that's typically related to just normal wear and tear uh, type conditions in the spine. It doesn't mean that there's anything dramatically wrong. It doesn't mean that there's an injury. It's only when that pain is persistent, so it lasts for long periods of time, or when it's recurrent. So this is something that happens over and over again and doesn't respond to those simple measures. Okay. Uh, that it's a, a more serious problem. Uh, is it true that exercising or lifting weights will make back pain worse? Actually, uh, if you are in one of these episodes where you're in the midst of a serious back pain episode, uh, certain activities can make it worse. Uh, so if you're having back pain at the time and you do a lot of bending, lifting, twisting, or jarring type activities, that can uh, cause more pain. It doesn't necessarily damage things. It doesn't necessarily make the problem worse, but it can cause more discomfort. Cause more discomfort. Sure. Okay. But on the other side of the coin, when you're not in a back pain episode, when things are good, it's actually exercise and motion that will help prevent uh, these episodes okay. of back pain. So That's it's very to important to you know maintain good core strength and general conditioning to avoid back pain. So how important is posture in pain prevention? You know, it, there's been a lot of debate uh, about that. And, you know, when I grew up, everyone was, you know, told in school to maintain a good posture. And we were taught that um, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Uh, what is probably related to that, however, is when you have poor posture, you probably have poor core strength. Ah, okay. And that poor core strength can be one of the contributing factors so to back pain. So if you strengthen your core, your posture kind of improves Typically, on its own? Yes. Okay. Um, the firmness of the mattress you sleep on, does that matter? 
I don't think it does. Uh, again, it's another area that, that's been hotly debated. Uh, what I advise my patients is you sleep on the mattress that's most comfortable to you. And some people, you know, like a firmer mattress, a less firm mattress, but it really is about getting, you know, the most comfortable thing. And there's no evidence that any of that makes any long-term difference in your back health. Despite what all the ads tell us. Despite the ads, believe it or not. Um, Well, how much does being overweight influence back pain? Yeah, so uh, weight is a a factor. Again, uh, a lot of these conditions are, you know, just mechanical loads and mechanical stresses on the spine. So the more weight... Uh, the spine is carrying. Uh, obviously, that puts greater stress, and it can contribute to this degenerative process. Uh, the other thing, and again, I go back to general fitness. Being overweight is definitely associated with being unfit and po- and probably having poor core strength as well. And I think you know the, the uh, fitness aspect of it is probably more important than the weight itself, but they are correlated. Okay. Good to know. Well, I've got some more questions I want to talk about treatment. But first, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Daryl Dykes. So um, whether there's going to be surgery or not, um, if someone is in pain, they're liable to seek, you know, relief from maybe medication. So what do you recommend? What are your thoughts on the use of narcotics? As, we, as you know, narcotic uh, use and in some cases overuse has been a very, very serious problem um, in this country. And we definitely like to minimize the use of narcotic medications when, when possible. And again, one of the things that, that is just very, very real from dealing with patients, when you have this severe pain, and sometimes back pain can be absolutely severe and debilitating, it's also very scary. And so when patients come in and have this pain and have this belief that this is something that's just not going to go away, that they're going to be plagued with for a long period of time, uh, they often look for uh, narcotic medication as as a way to to feel better. And that's understandable. I think one of the things that we have to do is try to rely on education, you know, teaching patients that this is a limited problem. It's probably going to get better. And most of the time, simpler measures like anti-inflammatory medicines, so ibuprofen, Motrin, Advil, those things will, will help, um, along with you know, short-term activity restrictions and trying to, as much as possible, avoid narcotics. Okay. Uh, do you ever recommend things like acupuncture or chiropractic? Absolutely. I, I think, uh, and, I, and I tell my patients all the time, uh, I look for any possible solution to this problem that's safe and that has the opportunity, you know, to be effective. Um, I don't know of, of actual studies. Um, there are some studies that have begun to show some benefit uh, to these non-traditional, so to speak, uh, treatments like acupuncture and so forth. But I have personally uh, had a number of patients who found a whole lot of relief and a whole lot of success for treating the symptoms, like in the acute phase of their back pain episodes. Okay. And then there are some cases, though, that still need surgery, right? Sure. What are some examples of um, things that would require surgery? So, of course, those emergency situations that I mentioned earlier, if there's an unstable fracture of the spine or someone has an infection or a tumor, those typically require surgery. There are other uh, times when the condition causing the back pain also puts enough pressure on the nerves or the spinal cord 
that that could cause some neurologic damage or some irreversible damage like paralysis or weakness. Uh, We typically operate on those conditions. Uh, Certainly, uh, if, if if someone has enough pressure on the nerves at the lower end of the spine that cause problem with their bowel or bladder, uh, that's an emergency situation that we will operate on uh, quickly uh, to avoid long-term complications. And then more generally, if patients have just persistent pain that doesn't get better despite our non-surgical treatments, or if this is a recurring thing that happens over and over and over again and significantly interferes with their activities or quality of life, then that becomes a, a reason to consider surgery. Okay. All right. Can you talk about the minimally invasive laser spine surgery options that are out there? So spine surgery has come a long way since I started doing this over 20 years ago. And some of the things that we're doing routinely today weren't even possible 20 years ago. Other things that we were doing 20 years ago have become much easier, much safer, and more effective with advances in technology. However, there are some technologies that have not really panned out to be as promising as, as people sometimes advertise them to be. Uh, there's uh, one term that's called minimally invasive surgery, and you, you can't avoid hearing this term if you research anything about back pain. Uh, minimally invasive surgery quite simply means that doctors try to do the same types of surgery or achieve the same goals of surgery through smaller incisions with less damage to surrounding tissues and less damage or downside for the patient. That's a goal of all surgery. So all surgery is is minimally invasive or should be minimally invasive. Um, And so we practice minimally invasive techniques and again are able to do much bigger things through much smaller holes uh, with advances in technology. Laser is another thing that is very, very common uh, in the media. If you, if you look online or you watch television or so forth, the bottom line is a laser is just a cutting device. It's like a scalpel. It's like any other cutting device that surgeons will use to open or cut or dissect tissues. There's nothing magical or uh, unique uh, about a laser in terms of being able to cut tissues that way. And what we have demonstrated over time is that there's really no demonstrable benefit. There's no benefit that we've been able to find to using laser techniques in spine surgery over more traditional techniques. Um, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of you know, experts who, who do a lot of this work, uh, it's more of a marketing gimmick than it is uh, beneficial. And there's actually even been some evidence that some of these laser techniques are more harmful than they are helpful. So just because it's new doesn't mean it's better. That's always true uh, in medicine. Okay. Uh, new doesn't equal better. Well, in the very little bit of time we have left, I wanted to ask uh, about the you know traumatic injuries that leave people paralyzed. Do you think in your lifetime that we're going to see new ways of treating or reversing such injuries so that patients would be you know regain the ability to walk or function? Sure. There there's a whole lot of research and very exciting things going on. Uh, first of all, in preventing those injuries, uh, but then second of all, when they do occur, early uh, interventions or early treatments to try to minimize the long-term damage or long-term effects, some of that is in the realm of stem cell research or different medications, new medications that help uh, protect uh, the nerves. So to answer your question most directly, we are making incredible progress 
in preventing or minimizing long-term neurologic deficits after trauma. And I do think that there's a day coming, uh, probably in the not too distant future, where we're gonna have much, much better outcomes for patients with those injuries. Good, well, that's promising, thanks. Sure. Um, lots of good information here, I appreciate you being here. My guest has been Dr. Daryl Dykes, he's an orthopedic surgeon at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.